0: Hey, kids. It's your old pal Spearsy here, just reminding you that this episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by The 80s Cruise. Read all about it at www.the80scruise.com. Come join me and Brad on the 2017 voyage, but remember, use the promo code STUCK if you want to save hundreds of dollars off the regular rates. Plus, we have some plans in the work for other exclusive events for Stuck in the 80s listeners while on board. Maybe an invitation to a podcast taping with one of the musicians performing on the ship? Well... We're waiting Don't pass it up, it's the vacation of a lifetime I'll shut up now, let's start the show (laughs) Travel back in time to the 80s Reliving the music You can't have the Pretender's first album That's mine I bought it You did not The catchphrases
1: Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast?
0: And the wannabes
2: Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear Doesn't make me Madonna never
0: will because just like you we're stuck in the 80s can
1: you say stuck in the
0: 80s hey hey welcome to stuck in the 80s it's your host steve spears and today we go beyond the 80s Granted, only to talk about songs that are covers from the 80s. And for God's sakes, please get the words right.
2: Nobody gets wooly. Women get weary. They don't get wooly. Nobody's got stress. They're wearing a dress. God damn, I hate people to get the words wrong.
0: With me as always, he never gets the words right. It's Brad in L.A. What are you talking about? I know all the words to all songs. <laughs> only because you know how to Google. And today, joining us for the very first time, a uh, longtime listener, longtime friend. It's Gail in D.C., Hey, guys. Hey, Gail. Good to be here. Excellent. We are big fans of your book blog, Every Day I Write the Book. Thank you. Steve, I didn't know you could read. (laughs) It's the only thing I can do. Uh, Uh, How long have you been doing the blog, Gail?
2: I started the blog in 2006. Oh, my gosh. Coming up on my 10-year anniversary of my book blog.
0: (laughs) That is old school. That is old school. That's about the same time we started ours. Yeah. Crazy. What was the inspiration behind it?
2: Well, I knew I wanted to write a blog about something, and I batted around a couple of ideas, and I've always been a big reader, so I just figured I would launch a book blog. And This was back in the days before. There were so many bloggers, and there's was actually a huge, vibrant book blog community, but back then, there were very few of us, and I had very few readers, but it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. And I told myself I'd stop doing it when it wasn't fun anymore, and it's still fun, so I keep it up.
0: Cool. And some of the books you blog about are related to the 80s, right?
2: Yeah. um, I've reviewed uh, Molly Ringwald's book of short stories, which came out maybe five years ago. And I reviewed the MTV VJ book, which I know you talked about on the show. And I reviewed the Susanna Gora book about the John Hughes movies. So my love of the 80s shows through for sure in my book choices.
0: What do you think of the trend these days? Everything seems to be sort of like a um – Oh, like a commentary version, like it's or it's a oral diary. They're all like collection of quotes. There's oral not as history much, kind of stuff. Yeah, oral history. It seems to be like the trend these days. What do you make of that?
2: Um, I like it. I mean, it sort of reminds me of like you know the DVD sort of bonus versions where they have people talking over it. Um, I, I like it. I think it's fun. I think you can work in a lot of perspectives. The MTV book was interesting because they edited it so that it seemed like the four of them were sitting in a room all talking about it, even though I know that it was all, all the interviews were done separately. So I think a lot of it is the skill and how you bring it together and weave the sort of distant, different voices in. But I think it can be really fun. I, I learn a lot that way.
0: I keep thinking about doing, if I were ever going to write like a, a stuck in 80s book, I keep thinking that's the the most practical way to do it is for me to like go through all the interviews where we have about 70 of them now. And pull them all apart and then try to reorganize them into themes and then just put it out. But it seems like a lot of work.
2: <laughs> I think that would be a lot of work. You have a lot of interviews to go through.
0: I know. I just, I need what, what Brad and I need is like a team of interns to basically, we just give them all the uh, podcasts and say, give us transcripts.
1: Here, transcribe these. Yeah. yeah.
0: Don't think that's going to happen anytime soon.
1: And and then tag them and uh, you know, yes. cross reference them. <laughs> yes. Put them into a, a, a nomenclature structure. Uh, yeah.
0: Run out and get me a bottle of wild turkey. All the things that good interns and my do. lunch Chinese. <laughs> now, I know. Uh, I know writing the book blog isn't your full time gig. So what? What is your full time gig these days, Gail?
2: So I work in um, social media and marketing and communications. And right now, I'm working for a real estate app called Homesnap. I've kind of made a career out of social media in the last like 10 years or so. And um, I, I'm, I used to be a lawyer, and I'm much happier these days doing this. it's a much better life. What do you
0: think is going to be the next big thing with social media? I mean, I know these days it seems like a lot of people are putting native video on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, Do you have an opinion on what is going to be the next big thing with social media? What next trend we'll see?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to predict sort of future stuff. I mean, I can definitely see that the platforms that are getting the most attention right now are um, Snapchat and Instagram. So I think what you said, it's the power of video. The millennials and kids are so um, so used to video. I mean, that is the medium that they communicate with, and they're so comfortable with it. And uh, technology is such that anybody can create video at all times. So those platforms, I mean, the, the rest of us are sort of aging up on Facebook. And I think as we, as sort of the 40-somethings, got very involved in Facebook, the younger generation started to move away from it. Yeah. So just I mean certainly from a marketing perspective and trying to reach you know from our perspective we're trying to reach young home buyers and so I'm always pushing Snapchat as a platform that we need to be if not on at least very aware of and how it can work for us. So I think you're right, it's all about video.
0: We're stuck in the we we've kind of just stuck with Facebook just because that's our
2: That's your demographic. Those are
0: our people. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't yep. know. Yep. I don't know if I'm up for, for Snapchat. I don't think I've ever used it, actually, for that matter. I, Instagram, yes. Um, you can just see photos of my lasagnas and my cat. That's
1: about it. We're going to move into Reddit sometime in the next five years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Someday we're going to get into that AOL thing that everyone's talking about.
2: <laughs> right. we got to get a MySpace page.
1: Ooh. Yeah.
0: I, think there once, I think there was once a stuck-in-the-80s MySpace page. Really? Once upon time. I think maybe, maybe at the very, very beginning
1: we may have had one, but... Um, if, if someone's out started there and, by the intern that kicked <laughs> off the podcast,
0: yeah, it was an intern who started the podcast, you know that, right? So that's, yeah, that's why I said that, you know, he's a doctor now, a doctor of what, uh, of journalism. Well, so he's a, he's a professor at a university, I think in Maryland
2: or that's something. a state.
1: So <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm
0: just saying time has passed us by, uh, and time, I,
1: I beg to differ. We're marching right along with it, Steve.
0: And it's time to march along with the podcast. So here's what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about cover songs, but not cover songs in the 80s. We're going to talk about cover songs of the 80s. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah. Everyone follow me? It will be clear to the listener (laughs)
0: as we proceed. Songs that we loved in the 80s that were then subsequently covered um, in lesser decades that followed. (laughs) (laughs) I feel pretty confident saying that. Um, There's a reason we're not called Stuck in the 90s.
1: Yeah, like I said, we beat those guys up.
0: (laughs) So we each have two songs, uh, one that's uh, more mainstream, one that's maybe a little bit more obscure. So let's get started. Let's have some fun. Here's my first pick. It's from a band we all know and love, and we know this song because it's ingrained in our DNA. This is Modern English, I Melt With You. You know, I think we once did a podcast where we talked about songs from the eighties that we never needed to hear again, and I think this was one of them.
1: Yeah, (laughs) this one's kind of come around a little bit. You know, it it was one of those songs that I just like never need to hear that again. But you know, now that we have those positive memories from hanging out with Modern English, I'm okay with it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is part of the movie Valley Girl. It is. It is married with Valley Girl. I would love to be married to the Valley Girl.
1: But um, yes, you would.
0: Um, anyway, uh, I Melt With You, original song, 1982, got to number seven on the charts. It was redone by Modern English, again, in 1990. That's not the cover song we're going to be doing. I, have you guys heard the 1990 version of it? No. I'm sure I have. <laughs> it's awful. It's. Did they change it around a lot? They, yeah, it's not as gritty. Mm. It sounds uh, like, a, like it was being performed on American Idol or something. Mm. And I think they had some issue where – I talked to Robbie Gray about this once when I interviewed him and I think he said something about they had lost the some of the rights to some of their
1: recordings so the, the way to get it back was to re-record it. Oh, yeah. I do kind of remember that from that interview. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. But here's the cover song. <laughs> uh, those of you who have kids, you might know this one. It's from the movie Sky High from the band Bowling for Soup. Here's the very G-rated Melt With You. Movie. Okay, can we all agree that that is not a great cover song? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But but I appreciate the attempt to uh, indoctrinate today's youth into the music of our youth.
1: Well, it gives us a chance to do to our kids what our parents did to us when we would be humming something and they'd be like, oh yeah, like, I will never forget my mom busting out singing along with Istanbul, not Constantinople by They Might Be Giants, <laughs> which I thought was this hilarious <laughs> song. And then she, like, comes busting in on the chorus. I'm like, what the hell is going on here?
2: Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople now church Thursday on a moonlit night.
1: What's in in so we <laughs> the weirdest thing? I'm like, how do you know that song? Brad, that song's like 50 years old.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that was a cover song for the longest time. I don't know. Should have guessed. I mean, obviously, this is a. I mean, Bowling for Soup is kind of a goof rock band at best. They did the song for the movie Sky High, which obviously, you know, a, a Disney type movie. It actually might be a Disney movie. And. The worst sin of all, as you heard, (laughs) they changed the lyrics, making love to you, to being friends with you.
1: (laughs) It's kind of like Devo 2.0.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I get that. I mean, I don't want my kids – I don't have any kids. But if I had like a 10-year-old girl, I wouldn't want her in the shower singing, making love to you is never second best. So I guess I'm cool with that.
1: You're not wrong.
0: Yeah. Um, Melt With You is also covered by Jason Mraz for the movie 50 First Dates. And by the band messed for the movie, Not Another teen movie, which I regretfully admit I do own, oh Steve, there was a time when I was not stuck in the eighties and and
1: yeah, it was called nineteen seventy four
0: <laughs> and certain crimes were committed, you know <laughs> as, as long as there's no prosecution you know i'm I'm willing to 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 let it lie, so anyway, there's my first song,
2: like you said, it's always great to introduce new generations to eighties music, so I don't want to knock it too much, but Definitely loses all the edge that it had in Valley Girl.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they sanitize it maybe a little too much. Actually, I made a reference to Devo 2.0. um That was I, I'm not going to talk about this in the show except for right now. But they did some similar things with Devo lyrics to kind of tidy them up so that like uncontrollable urge was an uncontrollable urge for snack food. What? Like I don't think that's what they were singing about. But yeah, okay, you know, get it in front of the kids. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, Gail, you're up next. What
0: is your first cover song?
2: So my first cover song is a very obscure song called Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic by The Police. It came out in 1981 off of The Police's Ghost in the Machine. This was sort of a flash of light on an otherwise really dark album.
1: Yeah, I never really thought about that. It is really kind of an outlier on that album. I love that yeah.
2: album. I mean, it's... It, it's not surprising that it's an outlier because it was actually one of Sting's demo songs. It wasn't even really a police song. And then he sang it for the band and said, I think we should record this. And they hated it. But <laughs> Sting being Sting, he got his way. And so they were Do
1: it or it. I leave.
2: <laughs> exactly. And we all know how that story ends. So it sort of stands out a little bit. It's not, you know, maybe a typical police song of the era. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you this, um, I was never much of a police fan in the 80s, but this was the one song that I always adored.
2: It's a great song. I mean, it's one of my favorites, and I'm a huge police fan, so you know it's high up on my list. So I was really intrigued when it was covered in the 90s um, by Sean Colvin. She is a folk music singer songwriter, sort of a Lilith Fair type, and um, she put out a cover album in 1994 called Cover Girl and recorded this song. Well, i try before to tell him the feelings I have for him
1: in my
2: heart Every time that I come near him I just lose my nerve like I've done almost all Cause the feel thing, is magic It us, just turns me on
1: Yeah, I hadn't heard this until you sent the link around, Gail, and I, I really like it. Um I think it's one of my things about cover songs is I want it to be different. And it really, you know, you're already you're starting out with it being different because it's a female vocalist instead of a male vocalist. But I, I like the I kinda like the approach she brings to so it. I like the sound that she brings to it.
2: Yeah, it definitely feels sort of more joyful than the police version. It feels like a nineties song to me, not an eighties song.
1: Very much so, yeah, very much so.
0: There's the, the the 90s for as much as I knock them they do have a certain feel to 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 their music kind of like the 80s did. And I and I'm I'm not totally disliking that sound but but yes it, it, this is if you know this is definitely time stamped as a 90s song.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the reasons she likes covering the song is she likes covering male artists because she can make it sound really different. So you're sort of already at an advantage when you're recording a song by another gender because you've made it your own just by yeah. opening your mouth and singing.
1: Yeah. I, now I'm going to have to go check out this album.
0: Did she change the words though? I mean, cause a lot of times when you change the, um, the gender of the singer, sometimes I know when Tiffany like sings, I, I, instead of, I saw her standing there, she sings, I saw him standing there.
2: I mean, yeah, she changes this to every little thing he does. Okay. So she changes some pronouns.
0: Yep.
1: Pronoun trouble. Yeah. Okay, we're off to a good start. Brad, what is your first pick for a cover song from the 80s? Okay, my first pick for this week's show is a single off of Men at Work's second album, Cargo. Uh, Made it all the way up to number three on the U.S. pop charts before plummeting back into oblivion. I give you Men at Work's Overkill.
0: I just want to go on record as saying this is probably my favorite minute work song of all time.
1: Well, you're in good company. Uh, in the book, VJ, Mark Goodman uh, says that Colin Hay told him that this is the thinking man's favorite minute work song when he told him how much he liked it. And, you know, Colin may have been pandering a little bit there to Mark, but uh, as I said on the last show, you're pandering to us and we'll take it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this song was cover- it has been covered... Uh, I think it's been covered more than once for sure, but uh, the one that I really like is uh, this version by the group Laszlo Bane.
0: this song a lot i I play this song a lot um i queue up the video which i don't know have you seen the video gail for this video for this song i did yeah it's great it's 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 exactly like a minute work video yeah so you know ridiculously australian even though lazlo bain not australian the favorite part to me though of the song is towards the end colin hay actually comes into the song and sings the last verse with the band yeah and that's when it goes from like like an Like nine on a scale of, you know, one to 10 to like a 12. Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right.
0: And here's what it sounds like.
1: That'll get you fired up any day. Yeah, it just well, I don't know if it'll fire you up because it is. What it, it is? This is not an uplifting song, except maybe to dark and gloomy Spearsy land. Um, <laughs> this is, this, like, is a, this
0: is like a small world after all. This to me, is as, my well, friend.
1: okay, you know. Well, that's that's for our other podcast, psychology today. Uh, but um, I, I mean, this is not an upbeat song. It's about a guy who can't sleep and he's wandering the streets, and it's you know, it, it's not all sunshine and, and light, right? But it's a great cover the The guitar—it's just stripped down to just the guitar, kind of acoustic sounding. And then when Hay comes in in the chorus, it just, like you said, it just it multiplies it. It just takes it to this totally different place. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing.
2: You know, I have to say, I'm kind of with Steve on this one. This is probably my favorite Men at Work song, and I actually find this kind of an invigorating song. Ironically, if it's about someone who can't sleep, but um, I, I love it. And I thought they—I thought the cover was ghosts appear and fade away.
1: Loved. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs>
2: You don't understand. I think it's the music. The music is great. Yeah. It's the, you know, the the, the the melody and at the end when – in the end of the original when Colin Hayes' voice kind of goes up an octave and then when he comes in and the end of the cover track, I, I don't know. I found it very anthemic in some ways. Yeah,
0: I get chills just thinking about it. And I got to tell you, as someone who's seen – I mean Colin Hayes perform these days, he <laughs> – Overkill is an, an uplifting anthem compared with his other work. I mean he's a dark brooding guy. I mean that's just that is who he is. I mean he's no happy go lucky Australian <laughs> by any means. Aside from the fact that he's from Scotland. So uh but he, his his songs are are dark. Yeah. I mean almost every single one of them. I mean there's a couple that aren't but you know, he's he's but he's amazing to see live, and he's always touring, so you you got a million chances
1: to see him if you if you haven't seen him yet. Yeah. But
0: Laszlo Bane, though, on the other hand,
1: are they still around?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't
1: think they really are. I was looking the other day, you know, trying to do my research for you, Eighties Nation, and I, you know, this group is probably best known for the theme song from the TV show Scrubs. Um, I don't know. There's also kind of a Colin Hay Scrubs connection there. I don't know if that's how they. Got together, but they the band definitely has a history with Colin Hay. But I was looking around for them online, and the domain laslobane.com is dead. And the only <laughs> place I could find any kind of presence online for them was their MySpace page. Oh, the dreaded MySpace. So um, one thing I did find out is I found some more fodder for future shows. Uh, they did release in 2012 an EP of all 80s covers.
2: Wow. Yeah. Ooh i got to find
1: that. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: definitely – I'm going to have to find that for sure. Um, Okay, it's my turn again. I feel bad because um, you guys did really good jobs of finding cover songs that sound nothing like the original, and I found my two songs sound pretty much exactly like the original. And this second choice of mine, it's an obscure song, but I swear if I put them side by side, I don't even know if you would know the difference between the two of them. There was a band that formed in Seattle – in 1981 called Young Fresh Fellows. Are either one of you familiar with the Young Fresh Fellows?
2: Never heard of them.
1: <laughs> I am familiar with the Young Fresh Fellows because they are name checked in a They Might Be Giant song. <laughs> Slowly <laughs> so great twisting. Too. The song Slowly Twisting yeah. is a great song. It is a great song. Young Fresh Fellows they, they
0: came to more acclaim in the late 80s You know, as people started focusing their attention on the Pacific Northwest. They were what I would call of the genre. They weren't really grunge.
1: I would call them goof rock. You're big on goof rock today.
0: Yeah. I, well, I, <laughs> I live in a dark world. <laughs> Brad, I need, uh, I need my goof rock. Just like Bowling for Soup, definitely goof rock. I mean, there's songs called Taco Wagon and Amy Grant. I mean, it, it's fun, goofy rock and roll. But in 1989, they had an album called This One's for the Ladies, And they had a song on that that became a video, and it was played often on 120 minutes. So if you were a big fan of MTV in the late 80s, you might remember the song. This is Young Fresh Fellows, and still there's hope. to say the least, my friends.
2: <laughs> this is a great song. I've never heard this before. I think this is going on my running mix.
0: Oh, it's a perfect one for exercising. I, I would exercise, but I'm afraid I might have heart problems and die. <laughs> but, oh, brother. Um,
2: <laughs> I think the exercise is supposed to help that problem. I don't go
0: for those kind of trends, Gail. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a bunch of scientific hooey. <laughs> So um, Young Fresh Fellows were, were pretty interesting. So they had this song. They had a drummer who used to wear a football helmet because he had a tortoise shell on a cymbal stand that would swing back and forth and back and forth during a show and hit him in the head. So to avoid concussions, football helmet. This is obviously not a serious rock band, but what they put out was ser- was really fun music. Where did he get the tortoiseshell idea from watching too many <laughs> uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam shows? Yeah, I guess. Hey, we all watched a little bit too much Pebbles and Bam Bam growing up. You're not wrong. Um, Young Fresh Fellows, they're still together, I hear, but they haven't released anything in 15 years. In 2005, a group of artists got together to record a tribute album to Young Fresh Fellows. It's called This One's for the Fellows. The album had 20 songs performed from artists like uh, Presidents of the United States, Robin Hitchcock, and you know you've made it when Robin Hitchcock's covering your music. Among those 20 songs was a cover of Still There's Hope by the band Visqueen.
1: It's
0: Guys like the cover song, or is it not different enough for you?
2: Um, I I like the original better.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's not different enough. I, I think they did a nice, they did a good job on it, but I you know I already have said I like my cover versions a little a little different.
0: A little different. But, I like uh, you know,
1: I, I, I respect them as musicians and want to know where they got the band name.
0: <laughs> Funny you should ask. I know the answer. Uh, Visqueen, formed in 2001 in Seattle, is named after the polyurethane film that was once recommended by Homeland oh, Security geez. Director Tom Ridge as protection against bioterrorism.
1: <laughs>
0: well. Ah, yes. Proper goof rock must have a proper goof
1: rock name. You're not wrong.
0: Yeah. So um, I love Young Fresh Fellows. When I was in a band, we used to cover their songs a lot because A, they were fun to cover. B, they were very short. And C, nobody recognized them. So we could pass them off as our own. That's, that's smart.
2: <laughs>
0: okay, Gail, you're up. Dazzle us with your number two pick.
2: Okay. So my number two pick is probably not as obscure as it should have been. But I've picked uh, a little song called In Between Days by The Cure.
1: Excellent. A classic. Oh, great song. One of the few songs I can play on the guitar.
2: Yeah, it's a great song. In Between Days was actually the first Cure single to reach the U.S. Billboard charts at 99, number That's 99. really? Jeez. It was. It was. It came out in 1985 on an album called The Head in the Door.
0: Great album. So
2: In Between Days is sort of one of the Cure's lighter, kind of poppier songs, um, not as moody as some of the other Cure songs that I think, define the band. This song is definitely upbeat, although the lyrics, if you actually listen to them, are more about regret and lost love and feeling old, because this is, of course, the uh,
1: You know, I'm sorry. I got to go lie down now. <laughs> <laughs> Spearzonian at its best.
2: This song is sort of classic 80s to me. It's about angst and longing and unrequited feelings and confusion, which I guess is what the 80s that were is to me. the universal,
1: a universal <laughs> constant of the 80s. Yes. Mm, I'm so there. Keep going. <laughs> Tell me more about myself.
2: <laughs> so the cover that I picked is by um, an artist named Ben Folds, um, an indie artist from the late 90s and 2000s.
1: Yesterday I got so Let me just tell you, I love Ben Folds. I think this is a great cover. I love the piano take on it.
2: So does it feel like a different song to you? Um,
1: well, I mean, I'm so familiar with the original, right? So, it, I mean, yes, it feels different because the instrumentation is so different. But mm, I don't know. I, I still kind of – I go back to the lyrics. I'm, I'm all about the lyrics there too. So,
2: Yeah, I mean, Ben Folds to me – is also kinda angsty. I mean the first song I knew by him was that song Brick about his girlfriend getting an abortion. You know, super dark, super yeah, super emotional. So the whole
1: album is like that too. Actually I really like that album.
2: Well he seemed like the perfect guy to cover the song because he can infuse it with all that emotion and angst that uh the original has or the original band has. So I thought I, for me, that's what makes this a pretty successful cover.
1: You know, it just occurred to me what this, what this reminds me of, or what this makes me think of, I should say, is it makes me think of like the, the kid at your school who is and, and of course, I knew all these people, the kid at your school that's in band is also a really good piano player, and he's like playing this stuff and singing this covers. I mean, it's like Band nerd covers cure track.: Exactly. So of course, I mean that's pointed right at me. Come on, I'm going to love that. That is an SEO
0: headline if I ever heard one. <laughs> For the web geeks out there,
1: I have my uses.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I love that. I love. I mean, to me, it it takes some balls to try to cover a song like this. So there you go.
1: I love it when you let me hang.
0: Just <laughs> let me hang there. Like, that's just great,
1: Brad. I thought maybe you had
0: more to I, say. I didn't. No, I didn't. No sometimes it's sometimes less is more okay brad you're up uh time for pick number two dazzle us okay brilliance and lyrical uh
1: acumen oh well i'll do my best mr spears endeavor to provide excellent customer service my second pick today the original is from the top selling duo of the 80s yes i'm talking about none other than hall and oates private eyes
0: You know, I love this song. I don't think they play it as often in concert anymore, though. Really? Have either of you seen them live? No. I've seen them probably four times. So I'm once in the 80s on the H20 tour, you know, classic. Oh, man. But I've seen them at least two or three times since then. They they have this new gig where they just kind of um, – Daryl just kind of sits on a stool for most of the song, for most of the concert. <laughs> it's really they've they, got they, all they Rico really, Kasich on us. They go, they go real um, – I don't want to say low energy, but they sort of have adopted this new low energy thing. Like, you know, it's different. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to say anything bad. Yeah.
1: Well, I, that's all I, in I oath. That's it's, why I ask because I've heard kind of mixed things.
0: Yeah, not a not a big fan. And and they they sometimes do a little twist on their bigger songs. Like they don't like Private Eyes might come out and they might do it like as a
1: a blues song or
0: something okay. like that. Okay. And you'd be like, "Oh god, don't screw with Private Eyes." But anyway. Yeah. So this is <laughs> a long story short, yeah. yes.
1: So this is the lead single off their 1981 album of the same name, and it was a number 1 pop hit. So that's why it's ingrained in our DNA, including the claps. <laughs> yeah. It's a great song. <laughs> I mean, there's I have no shame in loving this no, song. No, it's a it's a great song. Uh, but as much as much as I like this song, I think I might like this cover better. Ooh. The cover that I'm going to talk about is on the Bird and the Bees 2010 album, Interpreting the Masters, Volume 1, a tribute to Daryl Hall and John Oates.
2: I see you, you see me, watch you blowing the lines when you're making a scene. of oh girl, you got to know what my head overlooks, the senses will show. love this cover. Um, I'm not the world's biggest Holland uh, & fan, and so for me, I have no loyalty to the original, and I thought this was really fun. I, d- I really liked it. I,
1: this woman's voice, I don't know if I've talked about the bird and the bee before, but oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I love her voice.
2: It sort of has a retro feel to it. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I don't know. I liked it.
1: Yeah, yeah and it's just it's just ethereal.
2: Oh. Hmm.
1: I really like it. The whole album is like that. If you like that track, you'll love the album. My family makes fun of me for playing this album, but you know what do they know? They're idiots. Are you sure it's for make? Are you sure they're making fun of you for the album specifically? In this case, I'm pretty sure. I mean, there are other things they make fun of me for, but that's one of the topics on the list. What would be some
0: of the other things they make fun of you for? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, hmm. Let's see. Laughing at my own jokes. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much a see. No. Um, hmm. Just general goofiness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the comic relief around here,
0: and it and there's a certain amount of dread when you are allowed to pick the movie right because they know it's pretty much gonna be an eighties
1: movie, yeah, I just don't even try anymore. You just put them on and no, just, say, just
0: you'll sit there and you'll like it, just let them pick <laughs> <laughs> don't let them pick sky high that's all I can say,
1: okay, so what do you think of this, Steve?
0: um, I like it, you know i I'm a big fan of, of of changing things around a little bit, and I love a great voice. A, a great female singer to me is something we don't see enough of these days. And um, so there's there's certainly a lot. To, I can see why you like this better.
1: Yeah. Well, Bird and the Bee, kind of an interesting group. They uh, formed in the two, early 2000s. Inara George is the singer. She's the daughter of one of the founders of Little Feet, uh, Lowell George. And she's married to kind of Hollywood royalty a little bit, um, the – son of Lawrence Kasdan, Jake Kasdan, who directed the TV show Freaks and Geeks, which, if you haven't seen, you to, uh, Really good TV show. Didn't last very long.
0: Only one season or two yeah, seasons, I, I think?
1: Yeah, just a season. Um, and the other, other half of the duo is Greg Kirsten, who's a, a kind of all-around musician, studio musician guy. They met when she was working on her debut album, and they just started working together and uh, started putting some songs together. Their debut album included the song... <laughs> Boyfriend, which uh, was a number one hit on the Hot Dance Club play charts. Uh, Steve, you know why you like this song so much, Steve? What? Boyfriend? Yeah, because it knocked Madonna off the top of the charts.
0: Yes!
2: Yes!
1: (laughs) Vengeance is mine! And Gail, do you know why you like this song?
2: Tell me why I like this song.
1: Because Inara George and her husband Jake have boy-girl twins!
2: Oh, hey, twins! Twins are the best.
1: I know, aren't they? They
2: are.
0: Ah, you know what else are the best?
2: The Seggies.
0: Hey, uh, reader mailbag time. And if you thought this show was depressing before, it's not going to get any better. We have a letter here from Captain Trips, and it's related to our old – that old chestnut of ours, the Time Machine podcast that we keep trying to do, you know, where we – one of us gets a seat on a time machine back to the 80s. Um, it's my seat unless I decide to give it up to somebody. To
1: so either so redress cl- a grievance or, uh, you know, change some fact or happening.
0: Right. Okay. So Captain Trips has a good story. Uh, Bradley, why don't you do the honors?
1: Okay. Buckle up, folks. This is going to take a little bit. You're going to enjoy this journey uh, through madness and beyond. Captain Trips writes: Hi guys. I don't know if you're ever going to get around to doing your promised time machine podcast, but I figure what the heck. I'll toss my hat into the ring. My tale of woe takes us back to my 8th grade year, 1981-1982. I was a band geek, tip of the hat to Bradley, represent brother, first chair in the clarinet section. Sitting next to me, a second chair was Tina, name changed to protect the innocent, who was a 7th grader. I was, of course, madly in love with Tina, but I was also cripplingly shy. I could talk to her. We played around at being mock competitors all the time but I could never just blurt out how I felt. And the funny thing is, I knew she felt the same way, but she was just as shy as I was. You know, isn't junior high great? Doesn't everyone just love junior high? It's the best. Captain Trips continues. So one day, I think it was January or February, we're going to go play a concert at another school. We all load up on the bus. Tina hands me a note as we get on and sit somewhere else. I could hardly believe it. I knew what the note was going to say. I held on to it until we got underway. With the seat all to myself, I unfolded it and just got a glance at a set of yes-no checkboxes, as in the classic, do you like me, check one note. But I never got to read the full thing. A hand shot from behind me and snatched the note out of my grasp. I whipped around and confronted Tom, a 7th grade As an aside, I have confirmed with Captain Trips that Tom was, in fact, a trumpet player. So it all lines up. (laughs) He and a buddy were giggling gleefully as they got to read more of the note than I ever would. I don't remember if I was grabbing for the note or grabbing for Tom. I was in a bit of a rage. What I ended up with was a handful of his necklace, which popped off and scattered beads everywhere. (laughs) Oh, Captain Trips. I kind of, I don't know, I kind of freaked out. I went all apologetic, saying I'd fix it, and... uh, I don't know, I was so stupid. Anyway, I never got the note back. At the concert, I told her Tom snatched it away before I could even read it, and we proceeded to pretend the whole thing never happened for the rest of the school year. There were school dances, there were roller rink couple skates, but we never made anything of it or spoke of the note again. At my graduation, from middle school to high school, Tina cried when we said goodbye, and it broke my heart. I'll never forget that day. We saw each other once or twice over the summer, but outside of school, our worlds just didn't really intersect. A year later, when she moved up to high school, the spark was kind of gone, and then she moved away a few months into that school year. I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I'm just not that kind of person. But this is my big one. My life could have been so different. I never really got out of my shell until college, never dated until my junior year. I'm not saying we'd be high school sweethearts or anything, but I realize now just how much of my high school experience I wasted. I was such an idiot did i say that already so that bus ride that is my moment i would go back and fix i would have that note still today or even if it did get snatched i would just step up and say yes as a footnote just to let you know i did get back in touch with tina a few years ago somehow i'd gotten a hold of her email address i told her that i was madly in love with her back then and apologized for being such an idiot she kind of said she didn't even remember that, but thanks. And we brush it off again. But I could tell she did. And these days we're Facebook friends, and that's cool, aren't we all now? Thanks, guys. Love the podcast, Captain Trips.
2: Oh, that is so sad.
1: That's a brutal, <laughs> brutal story. <sighs> uh. Trips, I just, I, I don't know you really at all, but I just, I want to give you a big hug right now.
0: Um. I read this for the first time a couple days ago and I just, I remember I was sick to my stomach. I, I felt so bad. It's,
1: it's all very vivid to me as a fellow band geek. I can picture the whole thing going down just as he describes it.
2: So here's my question. Why do you think she, when he reached out to her recently, didn't sort of admit that she remembered and, and make that connection now? You think she was too afraid to do that?
0: I I was just about to ask you the same thing, Gail. You know, from a female <laughs> standpoint, is there a reason why she would have done that?
2: I mean, maybe she just felt like it. she didn't sort of want to head down in that direction and wanted to keep things straight. I mean, I don't know what her personal situation is right now, but yeah. um, I don't know. That was almost like the the saddest sentence in the whole letter.
1: Yeah. The denial.
0: Yeah. I don't know. My favorite... My favorite thing is, and these days we're all Facebook friends. I mean, that's cool, aren't, aren't we all now? I know. That's like,
1: a, yeah, I, uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's like just uh, the, what an ending. Yeah. that's like at the Ugh. ending of the ending of Stand by Me when he yeah he turns off the yeah. computer without saving it.
0: Ugh. Oh. I don't know. Um, God, that that is torturous. I mean, I gotta say, I that's such an easy fix. I, I I'm tempted to give the uh, the seat on the time machine to to Captain Trips. Um, I'm okay with that i'm
1: okay with God.
0: that he he would feel but i'm going to be really mad if he goes back in time and it was some like not romantic question she was asking like,
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you imagine <laughs> but it'd be, but wouldn't it be almost a relief in a way maybe <sighs> yeah, but, to know it, that no, it wasn't. but' then it just it just counterfeits all of that kind of suffering you put yourself through right yeah but does does the suffering disappear though
2: well, well here's the question about the time machine. Does it put you back simply to fix or change one thing, or does it put you back and then let you live your life no. with that change, change in place already?
0: Um, you have to, you get to go back and uh, change that one thing, oh. but then, then you, do come you
1: come, back. do you fast forward, or do you just live life through? Because yeah, yeah. if that's um, the case, I'm not going back. Things are good, <laughs> or do you
2: get to have the memories of the changed life?
1: <sighs> I'm gonna have to work that one out. Yeah, well, what do you think, clearly Steve? we haven't thought this through.
0: <laughs> my my first inclination is that you go back and you fix it and then you fast forward back to your life. But
1: Steve, you need your pain.
0: Well, I need my pain, but Captain Tripp doesn't need his pain.
1: Okay, okay.
0: I mean, he's clearly suffering more than I ever suffered from the Spando Ballet true wouldn't kiss me for three straight hours in front of a door girl whose name was Robin. <laughs> Name not changed. to, uh, <laughs> to uh,
1: Name left out there to preserve. Pre- yeah, preserve I'll tell you her angst. last name too. If I was, <laughs> but
0: um, <laughs> well, Gail, do you have a do you have a moment that you think you would go back and and fix something? Oh, I not have so
2: many. So many. Ooh, I good. don't know if I could. I, I'll have to think about that for the next podcast because there's there's too many to choose from. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah. We haven't driven her off in the first show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a first for us. The um, yeah,
0: it's that's a good question. I guess I guess we'll leave it up to each person as they answer the question whether or not they want to go back and fix it and then and then continue on from there, or whether they want to take the chance of fast forwarding back to their present day and seeing how it impacts. What things. What I'd
1: like is I'd just like a parallel universe where I could run controls, like <laughs> you know, like compare it, like eh, which one do I like better? You know, you 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 want to A B test your life? Well, I, I, do, I do. I do. I do. I think that would be interesting. Actually, let me rephrase that. I really don't because, like I said, I don't want to screw it up. I think my life is pretty damn good right now. Yeah. But I think it would be really interesting.
2: <laughs> that would be fascinating to A.B. test their lives. <laughs> I
1: know <laughs> yeah, what a dork I am. I'm sorry. I
0: don't know what I would ape. Yeah. Everyone knows that it's that. Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm dumbfounded by this. I really feel bad for you, Captain Trips. This is um, this is traumatic. Um, I feel like it. I feel sick to my stomach just you know thinking about it and hence we'll think about it no more <laughs> but uh, at this moment in time Captain Trips has my seat though I'll tell you that let's let's figure this out one way or another well,
2: he set a high bar um,
0: yeah. yeah if you have your own uh, time machine moment please email us at uh, steve at sit80s.com or brad at sit80s.com put time machine in the subject line for fun please. PPTMN. Please, please tell me now. It's our old uh, favorite. We haven't done this uh, segment in quite some time. I guess no one has questions anymore. Yeah, everyone's just hunky-dory, and that's fine. Captain Trips is in pain, but all oh, the rest of you, just don't worry about it. Just keep going on your lives. We'll just wave <laughs> at us over here in angst land. Uh, as always, what this segment is, is a chance for you to ask us uh, uh, any sort of oddball question you have, and we'll give you the best answer we can. Uh, this week, the question is from Christian Lopez. Brad, why don't you do the honors? Oh,
1: well, as the resident letter reader, I'd be happy to. Dear Stephen Brad, Recently, I watched the biographical movie Immortal Beloved. Fantastic movie with Gary Sid Vicious Oldman playing the part of Ludwig von Beethoven. The comparison contrast of those two personalities would make for a deep late night talk, right? Yeah, I think Sid Vicious would probably kill Beethoven, but that'd be okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it got me thinking. Beethoven wasn't born deaf. He lost his hearing gradually. I guess I'm curious about two things. First, if you knew you were going completely deaf, what's the last song or album you'd want to hear before that event took place? And also, if you knew someone that was going completely deaf and they asked you for the top five albums they should burn into their memory before they lost their hearing forever, what would you tell them to buy? I'm not talking about Rolling Stone lists or anything like that. What would you guys tell that person to listen to? Genuinely curious, Christian Lopez.
0: I'm genuinely curious as to the I hope Christian you don't have someone that's going deaf or I hope you're not going deaf but um, it has been um, in the news
1: lately too with
0: uh, yeah Brian Johnson, Johnson from AC/DC. I guess he's permanently out of the band now yeah well
1: that happened read. fast
0: this has been a weird year for things happening fast I'd like that to trend to reverse itself uh, right now if possible to answer your question I'm I'm going to I'm going to actually give you a couple of things. One, I'm going to give you a non-80s album. I'm going to say uh, The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. Um, And then I'm going to give you an 80s album. I would give you um, – I'm predictable in this regard, but I really like the soundtrack to Purple Rain. There's a lot Um, to like there. Yeah. It's just – and the last song I want to hear is probably the song Purple Rain. I I don't know why. I just – I cry like a baby every time I hear that song. Um, I can visualize the moment in the song where Prince goes over and kisses uh Lisa or Wendy on the cheek, and she's crying, and oh my god, and the crowd's crying. And then Billy, the manager's out there kind of nodding his head knowingly, like oh, you know, everything's gonna be all right. And then I just cue water the waterworks. Water yeah, it's, it's it's just like the end of Field of Dreams, uh, uh end of uh, Purple Rain. I'm so all those cried are my out for picks. Field
1: of Dreams. So okay, Steve kind of sprung this on us last second so it's, i didn't have a lot of time to go too deep into the archives on this one but the first album that occurred to me was uh joshua tree by you two i just i love that album um where the streets have their name i think i'm on the record of saying i want that song played at my memorial service uh <laughs> running to stand still I, every time i hear that song I just oh gosh it's so good the whole album i just i just love it and i would want it you know in my head good and deep Um, And if I'm going to pick a non 80s album, um, Christian, you invoked uh, Ludwig von Beethoven. You could do a lot worse than to listen to his Ninth Symphony, which he wrote when he was deaf, uh, just to provide you with a little inspiration for your now hearingless life. It's amazing. It's an amazing symphony. I have it on CD. Uh,
0: Gail, what is your uh, pick for last song or album you want to hear before you go down? Well,
2: uh, Brad just stole mine, of course, which was the Joshua yes! Tree. <laughs> I'm a bad host. I think you know, for <laughs> if it's your last album, it has to be one of those perfect albums where you don't have a single week link on it. And the Joshua Tree is right up there on that. It's it's fantastic. Um, I'm going to pick actually two non-80s albums. I can't believe it. It's so unlike me. But the first one would be the Indigo Girls' Rite of Passage. Which is, for me, one of those absolutely perfect albums where just one song flows into the next and they're all different from each other, but they're they're all beautiful and the harmonies are amazing and I just – I love it. I'm sure that was not on either one of your radars at all, but I love that. No,
1: I'm afraid <laughs> I have not heard that album.
2: It's it's one of the best. And then um, I think I'd go classical also and I think I would do Vivaldi's Four Seasons, which is oh, – nice. um was of the two, uh, when I went into Tower Records and bought my first two CDs ever, one of them was The Four Seasons, and one of them was The Joshua Tree. So, I think wow. I would want that ingrained in my brain before I lost my hearing.
0: That's a that's a good um, gauge by which to measure last album. If I if if I had to pick the very first CD I ever bought, it would be um, it was Peter Gabriel's So, and I think you could do a lot worse than having that as your last album too. Yep. Yeah. So, excellent. Well, good question. Um, as always, if you have a uh, question for us, send it to us, uh, Steve at sit80s.com, Brad at sit80s.com. And remember, put PPTMN in the subject line. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
1: America's front line of defense is this computer. It is totally secure. Or is it?
2: You're really into computers, huh? Yeah. What are you
1: doing? Dialing into the school's computer.
2: Are those your grades?
1: Yep. I don't think that I deserved it. Do you? You can't do that. Already done. (laughs) You
2: can go to jail for that.
1: Only if you're over 18. This computer company is coming out with these amazing new games in a couple of months. You might want to play those games. (laughs) Wow. What? We got something.
2: Games refers to models,
1: simulations, and games to have time- That to must to be strategic dense. application. Greetings. Game time is near. Shall we play a game?
2: Love to. Let's play. Global Thermal Nuclear War. Fine. <laughs> All
1: right! We have a launch detection. We have a Soviet launch. What the hell?
2: hell? Missile warning. No malfunction. Oh, my God. I repeat, confidence is high.
1: President, this is very interesting.
2: Is this a game, or is it real? What's the difference? War Games
0: And we're back, and we have time for one last seggy, and it's our brand new seggy. It's Let's Get Trivial.
1: I have only one question. Yay! In 27 parts. <laughs> okay,
0: as we all know, uh, Let's Get Trivial, uh, sponsored by The 80s Cruise. We, um, we have a guest on the show usually, and that guest slash victim today is Gail in DC. Gail, what topic have you chosen for your three questions?
2: I have chosen in my beloved year, nineteen eighty-five.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, here we go. Three questions for Gail on the year nineteen eighty-five. Number one: This beverage was introduced in the spring of nineteen eighty-five to resounding hostility and backlash. Ah, name the beverage.
2: I know this one. That is a New Coke.
0: Yes, excellent.
1: That, that, that's easy, right?
2: That one is easy. Everyone
0: should have gotten that. So
1: do we think that this was a big, like a, you know, some mastermind, you know, new world order plan to launch old Coke back into the stratosphere or was this an honest to gosh screw up by Coke?
2: I think it was an honest to gosh screw up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of do too. I think yeah. that, you know, again, you know, never attribute to malice that which can adequately be explained by stupidity. <laughs> I mean,
0: it didn't matter to me at that time because I think I had already started drinking Diet Coke at that point. (laughs) It's not so much the Diet Coke that's killing me. It's what I'm mixing it with.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, the dropper full of Diet Coke in the tumbler of Wild Turkey. Yeah, yeah. Question number two is multiple choice.
2: Number
1: two. Which
0: of the following was not a number one song in the year 1985? Here we go. Which one was not a number one song? Like a Virgin by Madonna. Walk Like an Egyptian by The Bangles. Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon. Or A View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Do you want to hear those again?
2: Mm, yes. One more time.
0: Which of these, which one of the following, was not a number one Billboard song in the year 1985? Like a Virgin by Madonna. Walk Like an Egyptian by The Bengals, Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon, or A View to a Kill by Duran Duran?
2: I'm going to choose D, A View to a Kill by Duran Duran.
1: Mm. And that's incorrect. That would have been my choice, too. Was was that 85? I would have sworn that was later in the 80s. No, 1985,
0: View to a Kill. The correct answer is Walk Like an Egyptian, which was a number one song. That was my other pick. (laughs) But in 1986.
1: Shoulder. On the shoulder.
0: Tough one. Tough one. That's a hard question. Um, Here's the rubber question. Number three. Live Aid was held on July 13th, 1985. Name the two stadiums in England and the United States where the concerts were held and the name of the artist who performed at both concerts.
2: Well, in London, it was Wembley. And in Philadelphia, it was John F. Kennedy Stadium. And the artist who performed at both and traveled via Concord between the two was Spell Collins.
1: You got it right. Nailed it. No hesitation. Goes for the throat. Claims the prize. Winner. What do I win? The opportunity Uh, to guest host on another podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's what I always wanted
0: we'll send you some swag. Absolutely. We'll send you some uh rubber bracelets and maybe even a uh, maybe even a cup with our logo on it. I I knew for sure you'd get Wembley and Phil Collins. I I thought you might stumble on JFK Stadium, but
2: Well, here's why JFK sticks in my head because it was 1985 and I was um I guess I was 15 at the time and my older brother was 17. And I don't know why my parents let him do this, but they let him and a friend get in the car and drive to Philadelphia. No, didn't have any place to stay, and go up and watch Live Aid.
1: Oh my God, that's awesome!
2: I am to this day we talk about you know our time machine regrets. Why I did not get in that car and go with him? I don't know. I'm just I'm still so mad at myself because. He was there, and you know we're about what two and a half, three hours away from Philadelphia. They stayed for the whole show, and then just drove home. Oh my god! And I'm so envious to this day that he was there. I mean, I'm happy for him that he got to do it, and I'm just pissed that I didn't. Like I wasn't cool enough to just say, "I'm getting in the car too," and I'm going. I don't care
1: if you don't want me in the car. I'm
2: coming. I'm coming. (laughs) Try and shake me. Exactly. I mean, I remember I remember listening to it on the radio that night, and sort of like I had my cassette in and I was taping it. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to hear Led Zeppelin do "Stairway to Heaven." Was that in um, Philadelphia or was that in England? I think, I think it that was, was here, in Philadelphia. Right? Yeah, so yes,
1: Philadelphia.
2: and it was horrible. I remember.
1: Yeah, there's, it was there's, so bad. You can't find that set anymore.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was really bad. But um, I was I was so into it, and I'm just uh, so for me that's an easy question because I, I you know it's very much very prominent in my memory.
1: So interesting to me, you. Uh, so it sounds like right away, like that day, you already knew. Oh, I should have gone.
2: I think probably that day I didn't, but. Okay. Since then, it has become glaringly obvious to me that I should have gone. (laughs) I mean, I have, you know, the Live Aid box set. I have the book. I have, I'm kind of obsessed with Live Aid. And it just was, I mean, it's amazing. You guys did a whole show on it. You know how unbelievable it was just the collection of people there. And, um, you know, especially when you hear about how scrappy it was, like the first one, how they don't really have recordings of it and they didn't. Yeah. they didn't really c- capture all of it and how the band got taped, like, over, and, oh, yeah, taped over and people didn't really know what, you know, when they were coming on. I mean, today that type of concert, it would be so overly produced and, you know, it's such a different experience now, but yeah. it was, it was obvious to me very soon afterwards that like that was history in the making. And I mean, it's amazing to talk to him about being there, and what he remembers. And he's a, he's a musician and huge music fan. He's kind of what the person who got me turned on to music when I was growing up and, Uh, it's, you know, just, I wish I'd been there.
1: So do I. (laughs) I'm willing
0: to, uh, snatch away the time machine receipt from Captain Trips now.
2: Screw him if he can't,
0: like, get his act together.
2: I win, I win.
1: (laughs) Man, boy, he turned on
0: you, Trips. He turned on you so fast. You had your chance, Trips.
2: Now
1: we
0: have someone who's in real pain here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That Led Zeppelin set was pretty awful, I hear.
0: Yeah, yeah. God, I mean, I would have given anything to go back and see the the London
1: version.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, well, I have the DVD it. box set. If you'd like to borrow it, I have it.
1: I have it. Actually, okay, <laughs> I have it too. I think, if I remember correctly, Steve, you and Sean told me that it wasn't worth buying.
0: Yeah, but I went ahead
1: and bought it anyway. <laughs> I bought it already by the time you told me not to. Oh,
2: it's you totally want to make a list buying. of
0: all the things that me and Sean said that you shouldn't do.
1: <laughs> I mean, no. I, I, I mean, don't listen to me and Sean about anything. <laughs> Well, it was an honest, it was a legitimate question. I mean, I yeah. I was on a, like, I, think I was a, coming back from a church camp or something. I was on a bus that day. I barely saw five minutes of it.
0: I sat there in my college dorm room because I was going to summer semester and uh, watched the whole thing on, I, I, just from start to finish on TV. Oh, the pain. Pain. I need my pain.
2: Okay,
1: how, <laughs> how do we get out of this painful boy?
0: Hey, anyway, this has been a great show. Uh, it's always fun to go back and do the cover songs. Uh, Gail, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast.
0: And and thank you for that amazing Live Aid story. I had no idea when I when I gave you that question that you would give us <laughs> such a nice story afterwards. That's really something else. I feel bad for you, though.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we all just shared a moment there. Yeah, honestly.
0: now I feel like we've ruined well, – well, now we've ruined Gail's day. So that's, that's – oh, Hey, we're two for course. two. Yeah. Hey, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, Don't forget to check out our brand new website, sit80s.com. We just changed it around a little bit and added some more photos from the 80s cruise. Chock full of goodness. It is full of goodness uh, and, and sadness and regret and pain. And that's where we'd like to stay, right there. Until next time, we're hopelessly stuck in the 80s.
1: Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. Um Brad you want to come out of it? Uh sorry I was texting my daughter. Um <laughs>